Hey everyone, good morning, are we well? Yeah, we're going to kick off um, in Galatians of all places. We're going to read a bit of scripture and then we're going to go through and have a bit of, bit of a chat about Galatians. Now, is this ready to rock? Yeah. Um, let's have a read of the scripture first. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news um, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who are deliberately twisting the truth concerning Christ. And then in Galatians 2, You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles, yet we know that a person is made right by, by God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Jesus Christ, so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ, and then we are found guilty because we abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner. If I rebuild the old system of law, I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all the requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God, whom loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. In Galatians 3, Oh, you feel it, foolish Galatians. Who has cast an evil spell over you? For the meaning of Christ's death was made as clear as to you as if you had, seen, you had seen a picture by his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are, you, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human efforts? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you've heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him, as counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed the good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. 
So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Pretty mega words. I obviously truncated it down. And if I can do the Dublinese version of this, or the Irish version, I love the way Paul starts Galatians. May God bless you. All of the, you know, really beautiful blessing. And then he goes on to go, you utter muppets, what are you at? Right? And, and, and I have been guilty of reading these scriptures going, they were morons, weren't they? Chilly heads. We've all been guilty of this. And this is why this is in scripture. This is why it is so easy to forget the cross. And that's a really weird statement, isn't it? But it's true. It's so easy to forget what has been done for us. And to try and build the old ways. In Galatians 2, I love the way Paul says this. He says then, Rather, I'm a sinner if I rebuild the old systems. If I rebuild them. So if I go to my old ways, not relying on Jesus, that's when I become a sinner. One of the biggest lessons I've ever learned as a Christian is that I can diminish the power of the cross in my life. I can diminish. I can, if I think I've skin in the game, if I believe that I can do something for my own righteousness, it is, it is genuinely like me going up to the cross and saying, Jesus, yeah, you've done enough a little bit, but there's something I can do. And that's quite dangerous. And that's exactly what's happening here. That we move away. And I would suggest, I would suggest this. That as humans, we are so fickle. Because read this in Jeremiah. Wait, you see this. Right. Now remember, the Egyptian, or the, the Egyptians, the Israelites, have seen so many miracles. So many, right? And this is what happens. Let's read this. This is up, guys. Go west and look to the land of, Cyp- uh, of Cyprus. Go east and search through the land of Kedar. Has anyone ever heard of anything as strange as this? Has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones? Even though they're, they're not gods at all. Yet my people have exchanged their glorious gods for worthless idols. The heavens are shocked. Similar to Paul. At such a thing. They shrink back in horror and dismay. Says the Lord. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me. The fountain of living water. And they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns. That can hold no water at all. Now we can read that and go that's not for me. Read that and say that's not for me. But you see a thread from Old Testament to New Testament how fickle human humans are, how fickle we are. So what did the Galatians turn away from? With God at the cross, towards God, what happened to God when Jesus took on the cross? Just big words, right? And, and so I keep on having to look up these things. It's a word called propitiation. And it's called appeasing God. Something had to be appeased. Like my sin, I'm talking about my sin, was taken away on Jesus. It had to be appeased. I, 
the, the, the perfect law of God had to be against my sin had to be dealt with against all of our sin had to be dealt with that's one of the key things that Jesus did on the cross he appeased the wrath of God he appeased the justice of God I was praying this morning and I was like Lord you know something I get it I absolutely get it I understand that my sin how small from robbing a bar when I was a kid right to some of the more crappier ones when I was older and even to this day I understand why my sin needs to be dealt with I understand why your justice says that my sin is not good. I I get it. I understand. And then we have this beautiful word called substitution. Folks, let this land on your hearts. Jesus marched up to your cross. Not his. Who was the cross made for? It was Barabbas. It wasn't Jesus' cross. Remember in the, in, the, in the courts? Hey, who do you want set free? Barabbas was on death row. And who did they say? Set free Barabbas. Set him free. That cross wasn't for Jesus. That cross was set for me and you. Was set for me and you. And when you get to that, you're kind of like, no wonder. Thank God Jesus kept his mouth shut. Thank God the angels kept their swords in the sheaths. Thank God he held them back and said, don't, no, I have to go through this. Because that was, it. That was our drama playing out. That was us. Me and you were Barabbas. Jesus climbed the cross for somebody else, not his own. This is the beautiful thing about substitution. We had to. We were going to face something with God. We were going to face the music. And nothing but love Nothing but love brought Jesus to the cross to say, I want to appease that. This amazing story when the Holy Trinity kicked things in motion, creation. They all, they knew what was going to happen. They knew we would turn our backs on them. They knew. And within the very heart of the Holy Trinity, what happened? Jesus said, I'll, I'll go for it. I want to get them back. I'm going to get them back. Before it even happened, they knew what was going to happen. And then there's another one, extinguishing the guilt. There's a beautiful verse, I will take your sins as far as the east is from the west. Now I have to say, we're sometimes brilliant at bringing back up the old things that we've done, yeah? When Jesus himself has dealt with it. So I say to you today, when you are bringing up the old things that you've already given to Jesus, that's not from God. He's already dealt with them. Our memories play tricks on us and say, hey, and the enemy loves this. So do you remember when? It's been dealt with. And if, you don't, if we don't align with it, it's being dealt with, we potentially diminish the cross of Jesus Christ. We potentially go back into the way of the Galatians and say, no, I've skinned the game. I've got to be better. I've got to be filling the gap. I've got to. You've got to nothing. You've got to have faith in Jesus. This is the most amazing story ever told that you've got to do nothing other than have faith in Jesus the story gets better uh, praying last night about this um, I got this word and I just I, I, I feel it was from the Holy Spirit and I, it was kind of I, I, I kind of said it out and I kind of got a check in my spirit to go yeah I bet you the Galatians were strivers I bet you they were no we want skin in the game 
that, that resonates with me big time. No, I can do something. I can do what I, you know. And dare I say it, I believe that they, maybe they didn't fully understand what it meant to be in union with Jesus. Fully. Maybe they didn't understand that. There's a divine exchange that happens at the cross. How can we forget the cross? Imagine, that's what goes through my head when I look at it. How could they have forgotten the cross? How? But they did. And folks, there's a danger. There is a danger. The danger of this is that you don't step into the full promises of God. That you don't step in union with God. You don't step into what Jesus has said. The cross, when we look at it, um, asks you to not look at religion anymore. It asks you to put trust into a relationship with Jesus. If you honestly believe that Jesus came to give you a religion, remove that from your head. He came, he came to give us a relationship. I'm going to explore that a little bit more. So, when we all initially became, became Christians and became believers, that was only the start of our journey. I believed when I became a Christian, that was it. Woohoo! Happy days! I'm in. That's it. Great. Which your salvation, absolutely. You put your trust in Jesus. No one told me that was going to be a battle. Like a battle royale. <laughs> right? Oh my goodness. It was everywhere. And... Dare I say it, and I hope I'm never guilty of it, or we're never guilty of it, what we give to new Christians or new believers is a good old bit of religion. Give them a good old few disciplines. Seven steps to be better. Five steps to get your life together. No, actually you need to abide in Jesus every day. You need to be in your word every day. Not as, not as a discipline to beat you over the head. Look at that, steal one. Right? Not to beat you over the head with it, but these are words of living water. These are words that, that are literally uh, is said to be better than food. Like you need this more than you need food, more than you need oxygen. Like get like you need these. We need them. We need them. We need them badly. But yet, not and please don't let your heart hear condemnation. I hope it, it's conviction. If it's condemnation, it's from the enemy. When was the last time you sat with Jesus in His Word? Because life takes over, doesn't it? Life takes over. I, I confess, I have this mad obsession at the moment with the, 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 the trial of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. It is utterly bonkers. Utterly bonkers. If I had spent more time in my words, but this is the way the world... There's a little frivolity, there's a little bit of ah, cheeky soap opera. And yet, I'm like, oh my goodness. I've got to spend more time in my word because... See, the world tells you, and the enemy wants to tell you, that those things are better than you sitting on your own with the Word and with Jesus. That Jesus doesn't have anything better to offer you. I dare I say it, that I'm certainly living on, on a sense level. I'm in the shallows. I'm just wanting senses, my, my flesh to be titillated. And dare I say it, that's what I bring to Jesus. Well, if you haven't titillated me today, I haven't heard from you, I haven't blah, blah, blah. It's not what it's all about. One thing you take away from today. Jesus' love, unconditional. Your salvation, unconditional security. 
Jesus' intimacy? He'll only give as much as you want. He won't break down the door. Revelation tells us, I knock, I stand at the door. The Galatians, right? The Israelites, right? Make us a carved yoke. You've just, hold on, you've just, what? Let's go back to the Egyptians. I have heard that heart cry at times. Oh, let's go back to the old way. Oh, this is just too hard. Turn on the telly. Right? Right? We've all been there. What is Jesus calling us into? I'm going to play a video. There's a little bit of artistic license here, so please be careful. Um, but it shows the difficulty and the struggle and why so many, when Jesus said, follow me, so many said no. Just before I do so, introduce it properly, right? Nicodemus from Scripture, um, good friend of Jesus. Um, artistic license here is um, Jesus spent time with him, that's biblical, absolutely. Spent time with Nicodemus. Imagine that chap. Here's a guy who has been reading scripture, right? The leader, one of the leaders, tuned this up every day. And then he gets, to, he gets one-on-one time with Jesus. Imagine what has been unfolded into him. And look how the, the struggle begins. from the chosen oh, it's a heavy one isn't it poor fella he was there he is mess with the messiah and he chose and I, I, I feel for him I feel for him because so much to lose 
That's what's going on in his head, but yet so much to gain. Again, last night going through this, it was just a silly thought came to my head. Imagine if he was meant to be the Paul, or just as big as Paul. And that's what he was turning away from. Imagine his life. Imagine a leader. Imagine how different it would have been for Israel as a nation if Nicodemus had said, this is the Messiah. How different. Don't underestimate the impact of your yes. Now, the enemy knows that you, a man or a woman, in union with Christ, is unstoppable. That's why he wants you to stop being in union with Jesus. That's why you're in contention. That's why he'll put everything in your way not to have you in union with Jesus. God, for, for his purposes, has made us a porous soul, like a sieve, making sure that we need to rely on him daily. Right, you ever feel when you're not in the Word or that you, you feel distant? And You ever feel those moments? That's when you need the, the living water. I want to read a bit of scripture. And I, if you've never read this, I, I, I'm not going to give you homework, but I always say when I read the scripture, go home and read it. Jesus is saying this about you and me. This is his words. He was on this earth thinking about you and me when he wrote, the, wrote these things. He's praying. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so that, may, um, so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. That last piece there, all of it is just wonderful. But that last piece, I will be in them. Jesus wants a very close union with you so that you don't go to the wider path. You don't be like the Galatians. That we don't be like the Galatians. He has made us a porous soul so that our need in him is fulfilled. That we have to go back to the well of living water and not empty cisterns. And dare I say it, we really, really need him now in this time on the earth that there's madness happening. We need him more and more. We all have to understand, as I said, that you've contention for your time, 
worse, you've contention for your heart and you've contention for your intimacy with Jesus. So what is it in your life that could potentially stop you from believing in Jesus? The Galatians had even the Holy Spirit and they stopped believing in the cross. They diminished him. What is it that would make you stop loving him? And this is one of the most dangerous grounds you can be on when you stop loving Jesus. And dare I say it, it's when we're disappointed with God. You know when we feel like he's holding out? Can you love him through the suffering? We are in a time where you will hear people who have years and years of faith say, I've had enough. Because they've held out disappointment with God. Jesus didn't say, we're going to have suffering, we're going to have horrible things. But can you still love him through that? (laughs) Disappointment with God is one of the things that the enemy can wreak havoc on. Where are you, God? Where are you? You show up for them. You don't show up for me. Disappointment with God. You're making agreements, subtle agreements, that God is not good. You don't have to say them, but the agreement will go deep. God is not good. God is not for me. That cross was not for me. He's holding out on me. If any of them resonate with you, take them to Jesus and get rid of those agreements. I believe somebody, very much so, all of us, but I believe this is going to hit a few hearts, that you need to hear that. That suffering will happen, but you need in this time to still trust and love Jesus through the suffering. He has not abandoned you. His words, I will be with you till the end of the age. We will see crappy things. It's it's probably going to get worse, folks. Probably going to get worse. I heard a story during the week of a father and son who's over here from Ukraine and they both saw the mother being decapitated. Right? And we live in a gnarly world, folks. You know yourself. You know what's being contended for your heart. You know that. And this is where we need the fount of living water. We need that union that Jesus had said, I will be in you. What does that mean? Did he mean it figuratively, right? I believe he meant it literally. You are a body, a spirit, and a soul. He is to reside in you, in your inmost being. He told us, you will hear my voice. My, my sheep hear my voice. You are made for union. You are made for union with Jesus. Now, you may not feel that at the moment. But that's worth exploring, no? Is that worth that you and Jesus are made to be in union? You don't have to answer this question, but who do you say Jesus is? You need to ask the question in your head, because it's probably one of the most important questions you'll ever ever answer. Who do you say Jesus is? Is he saviour... Yeah, absolutely. King, yeah, absolutely. God, absolutely. 
but he is the lover of your soul, intimate friend, one who cares for me, one who has come through for me, the one who has healed me. All of these things. It's funny, when you ask that question, it's somewhat difficult to answer. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh. And that should shake you. That should shake all of us. Who do you say? Because depending on the answer is what the, what the Jesus you're bringing to the world, right? right? You talk to him as if <laughs> he has turned your life upside down. What would the prostitute that washed his feet, if you ask that question, what would she say? Or she just adored him. And what does Jesus say? She has loved much because she's been forgiven much. Do you love Jesus that way? That's what's available. That intimacy. So, we're going to pray. We're going to stand. And we're going to pray. Trust me in this. Go with me. Go with me in this, right? So, uh, did a lot of thinking about this this morning. A lot of praying about it. And, um, yeah, folks, this is what's on offer. Unity with Jesus. Unity with Jesus. It's a journey. It's like any other relationship. Right. Can you put your hands out? Let's put your hands out. Let's go. Right. Jesus, I thank you for your words, Jesus. I thank you for that you've hunted us down. I thank you that you love us so much that you saved us, redeemed us and rescued us. And if that wasn't enough, you want us to have an intimate relationship with you and the Father. You want us to walk through this life abiding in you. Jesus, I confess that that's not been the case all the time. I've gone to cisterns, broken cisterns. Jesus, I've gone to places where those things that I've gone to have eroded my unity with you. Jesus, I ask you to show me the things that erode my union with you. And they can be really subtle things. Show me the fellowships that are not of you, that just erode my relationship with you, God. Change my practices, change my habits that bring me to the well of living water. Jesus, I love the fact that when you were at the well with a woman, even though you knew every piece of her life, there was no condemnation, she ran off in joy because she was known. I pray, Jesus, that those hearts that are hard become soft to you, Jesus. I pray for an interaction with you that is real, that we go deeper in you, Jesus. Oh God, I pray for every heart here, every heart that's suffering. Lord God, I pray that we praise you and we love you through the suffering, that not one heart will be left desolate. So I pray against desolation. I pray your glory over us, Lord. The glory that changed water into wine. Scripture tells us that he reveals his glory 
by making 907 bottles of wine for a party that had already been kicked off. That's the abundance of you, Jesus. Lord, we, we hold out our hands because we say, yes, we need this. We need living water. We need to step away from empty cisterns. We need you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you just break off fellowships. And it's not just with people, but it could be with social media. It could be with watching too much TV. I don't know. But those things that are just eroding my relationship, that are not giving life. Lord, I pray that every heart realizes the, the offer that is in front of us to go deeper into union with you, Jesus. To be known and to know. I pray this in the mighty name, the name above all names, that we have a resounding yes in every single heart here this morning, Jesus. Because what you have to offer is better than the world. And we are not like foolish people who forget the cross, forget what you've done for us, forget your love. I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen.